daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation that doesn't know what to expect next. Who would have expected or predicted that there would be an uprising uh, on the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives and that the Speaker of the House would be unseated, not impeached, just unseated. And then who is going to be the next speaker? There is an endorsement today from President Trump. If uh, President Trump really is the leader of the Republican Party, then the endorsement of Jim Jordan of Ohio uh, should be dispositive. It should settle the issue. Uh, the uh, uh, main rival to Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise of Louisiana, is suffering from multiple myeloma, a form of cancer that is very treatable. Apparently, as chemotherapy is going well, should that prevent him from uh, becoming the Speaker of the House? Uh, Scalise is in his 50s. He is not part of that uh, a Trump or Biden age group. Um, meanwhile, the uh, idea of Jim Jordan as potential speaker, there are comments about that everywhere. There's also a new scandal about President Trump sharing submarine tickets with an Australian billionaire. And then that Australian billionaire shared those secrets with at least 45 other people including minutes after apparently Trump gave him this information. This has come out as part of the Jack Smith investigation of uh, President Trump and uh, Mar-a-Lago and the documents there in Mar-a-Lago, which apparently included some submarine documents. Uh, we will get to that on the Michael Medved Show, a very prominent voice on Fox News, uh, saying that elections don't work. And uh, the same way that we ended slavery, uh, it has to be a violent conflict that is going to solve all of our biggest problems. I mean, really? Really? That, that basically elections can't solve our problems? Violent conflict must? Are we serious about that? Also, are we serious about changing the name of uh, Columbus Day into Indigenous Peoples Day? What about the shameful record of Indigenous people in holding slaves? And not just slaves of other tribes they had been warring with, but black slaves. And black slaves by the hundreds of thousands. Uh, we will talk about that with Professor Paul Kangor. We'll also be speaking with Myra Adams a uh, conservative columnist about the seven things that could basically blow up this election and change the election in uh, very, very profound and prominent ways. Uh, there is a, a three-day strike uh, carried out in multiple states for Kaiser. Uh, thank God that strike will officially end Saturday at 6 a.m. That's uh, tomorrow, obviously, at 6 in the morning. And the workers were expected to return to their jobs in Kaiser's hospitals and clinics that serve nearly 13 million Americans. We have people close to us who uh, depend on Kaiser. As I mentioned before, 
I, uh, I, I used to be insured part of the Kaiser Permanente system, and I found the medical care to be outstanding. And, and excellent. And this was in uh, the Bay Area of San Francisco during the time that I lived there. But uh, meanwhile, uh, Kaiser is responding and basically giving in to uh, some of the main demands of the strikers, which have to do with, uh, uh, with raising of salaries to attract more and even better people uh, for the job of keeping us healthy. Meanwhile, speaking of keeping us healthy, the Dow has surged more than 400 points. Isn't that good news for a Friday? Isn't that something that all Americans can celebrate rather than talking about a new civil war to solve our problems? The Dow's up 400 points because of uh, there's a jobs report that is uh, just incredible about the number of new jobs being created. Uh, that's some good news. Uh, meanwhile, uh, on this issue about Trump and the submarines, which is being covered everywhere, ABC was one of the main sources uh, breaking the story. And uh, the ABC News report uh, that... Uh, laid out the outlines of what we're talking about here sounded like this clip 12 an australian billionaire and member of donald trump's mar-a-lago club has told special counsel jack smith's team that the former president told him potentially sensitive information about the capabilities of america's nuclear submarines sources familiar with the matter tell abc news the alleged disclosure took place at Mar-a-Lago in April 2021, months after Trump left the White House. The billionaire, Anthony Pratt of U.S.-based Pratt Industries, then shared the information with scores of others, including more than a dozen foreign officials, several of his own employees, and a handful of journalists, according to the sources familiar with the matter. Pratt has been close to Trump for years. Anthony is one of the most successful men in the world. Uh, perhaps Australia's most successful man, as they say. According to sources, Pratt told investigators that when Trump told him the sensitive information, the former president was leaning towards him as if to be discreet, allegedly sharing two critical pieces of information about U.S. nuclear subs, the supposed exact number of nuclear warheads they routinely carry and exactly how close they supposedly can get to a Russian submarine without being detected. Okay, uh, does this uh, <laughs> work to build up uh, Trump's credibility uh, or his reliability when it comes to handling I mean, super classified documents and sharing with people, as he apparently did, top secret plans about invading Iran? I mean, and by the way, it's fascinating when he says that Anthony Pratt is, uh, who's this Australian billionaire with whom he shared these secrets, is Australia's most successful man. Uh, how do you judge success? And, and obviously, it, it appears that Donald Trump would judge success uh, not in how many people you've taught or how many lives you've saved, or but basically how much money you've accumulated. 
and nothing wrong with accumulating money. I'm I'm one of those people who uh, dislikes the the talk by populists about millionaires and billionaires and like Bernie Sanders, the millionaires and billionaires. We gotta uh, knock them down. Okay, nonsense. But but surely when you're saying someone is the most successful man, I I have no idea about Anthony Pratt's family life, the children that he's raised, uh, the marriages that he's conducted, or who knows how many. I don't. But who cares? The the point over here is sharing these particular secrets. This would help to explain. Uh, why the Biden administration stopped the practice of giving uh, top-secret briefings to uh, the former president. And uh, basically, uh, when Biden's been asked about this, he said, well, what purpose would that serve? And uh, again, it's been done something of, of a courtesy, but you can't imagine uh, any of our other former presidents, can you, any of them, uh, sharing top secret information a year after he's left the White House with uh, with visiting billionaires who have paid a lot of money to become a member of his club in Florida. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to this endorsement of Jim Jordan. And uh, why, I got to tell you, I really do think Steve Scalise would be a much better selection for the Republican Party in the country. We'll be right back. Of debate. You're trying to stir up some controversy. The Michael Medved Show. There isn't enough controversy, enough violations of the law, enough violations of national security by President Trump, at least being alleged. How would anyone justify a President Trump disclosing information about America's nuclear submarines? Nuclear submarines are important because. Uh, they mean that we are defended even against a, a an effective first strike. Now, right now, the Russians are talking about their tests with hypersonic missiles that are nuclear equipped that would give them uh, a potential ability to hit the U.S. Uh, mainland and to hit our missile bases before they were able to strike back at the Russians. That's one of the reasons that submarines are so important. And the ability of those submarines to hide from any Russian attack is so crucial, which is exactly what Trump was talking about with his uh, visiting billionaire. And uh, Chris Christie uh, on CNN uh, talked about the way that sharing this nuclear information, I should say top secret nuclear information, uh, fits into Trump's personality and character. This is Governor Christie. It's not enough for him to have been the former president of the United States. 
Now he has to spew secrets, sensitive information to people to show off on the, you know, balcony at Mar-a-Lago. It's 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 just it's both completely unthinkable, but also completely typical at the same time. And it's why he does not have the temperament, the self-control, the self-discipline to be president of the United States. You think that's why if he did this, why he did this, he was just showing off? Oh, no doubt in my mind about it. I've known him for 22 years. He wasn't trying to do anything nefarious. He can't shut up. He can't help himself. If he thinks it's going to make him look good or important or in the know for a second to somebody, he does it. Okay. The uh, information that he passed on to Anthony Pratt, who is a billionaire, not in the defense industry. He's in the box industry. No, seriously, he makes cardboard boxes. Uh, it's one of the world's largest packaging companies. That's a U.S.-based Pratt Industries. But he is an Australian. He's an Aussie. And uh, according to Pratt's account, Pratt uh, told Trump he believed Australia should start buying its submarines from the United States to which an excited Trump, then leaning forward toward Pratt as if to be discreet, told Pratt two pieces of information about U.S. submarines, the supposed exact number of nuclear warheads they routinely carry, and exactly how close they supposedly can get to a Russian submarine without being detected. In emails and conversations after meeting with Trump, Pratt then described Trump's remarks to at least, hold on to your seats, 45 others, including six journalists, 11 of his company's employees, 10 Australian officials, and three former Australian prime ministers and a partridge in a pear tree. This is fairly amazing. Uh, it is. It is, in fact, entirely amazing. Sources said that another witness, one of Trump's former employees at Mar-a-Lago, told investigators that within minutes of Pratt's meeting with Trump, he heard Pratt relaying to someone else some of what Trump had just said, which means that an employee at Mar-a-Lago heard it. What if the Chinese, who are very clever, have very active intelligence operations going on all around the world? What if they planted somebody, which would have, I'm sure, been a, a good and natural idea for them, planted somebody as an employee at Mar-a-Lago? Uh, according to sources, the former Mar-a-Lago employee who overheard Pratt talking about what Trump had just told him said he was bothered and shocked to hear that the former president had provided such seemingly sensitive information about nuclear missiles on American subs uh, to a non-U.S. Uh, citizen who is actually, you know, in the box business. I mean, really? Okay, I, I mentioned before that... Uh, Jim Jordan, as a potential Speaker of the House, there are two things 
that bother me about the immediate future of the Republican conference in the House and Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan has been fairly outspoken uh, about cutting off aid to Ukraine. And it is hard to think of a foreign policy disaster short of some horrible act of war or violence, but a, a foreign policy disaster that would be more devastating to the United States or our position of world leadership. There's a piece today about the Heritage Foundation and about Reagan. And Reagan used and relied on and praised the Heritage Foundation, which think tank in Washington, and partially because it believed in Reaganism, which is the United States as a leading force for good around the world. And, and Reagan, of course, would have been appalled at the idea of withdrawing aid uh, to Ukraine. And there's something else, which is that uh, Jim Jordan has been obsessed with this idea of impeaching President Biden. And the idea of the Speaker of the House, the leader of the Republicans in the House, uh, treating as a top priority uh, to the cutoff of aid to Ukraine and a, a focus on a, a totally unnecessary and destructive impeachment. The impeachment of or attempt to impeach President Biden is not going to harm Biden. It probably would win him sympathy and support. But uh, it, it could very, very badly damage the Republican Party and, and our whole, whole system. Uh, especially when you look at the way that those impeachment hearings, the initial investigations went in the House where there was no evidence that uh, came up of impeachable offenses. But there is evidence about potential disasters that could totally earthquake up and shatter uh, all of the patterns in our presidential elections. Wild plot with twist that could upend 2024 we'll talk to myra adams of the hill uh coming up on the medved show your daily dose of debate thanks for taking my call sure are you insane i don't think so the michael medved show 1-800-955-1776 And on the Michael Medved Show, a pleasure to welcome Myra Adams, who is a veteran uh, journalist in Washington, D.C. She is a contributor to the Hill website and the author of a fascinating, very stimulating and important new piece under the heading Seven Wild Plot Twists That Could Upend the 2024 Election. Um, Myron, you begin by giving the history of some unexpected developments that changed elections very dramatically, including the uh, financial collapse in September, just before the election of uh, 2008, that basically doomed uh, the Republican ticket of McCain and Palin and uh, helped to elect Barack Obama. Uh, of the 
wild plot twists that you enumerate in your column, which one do you think is most likely to actually occur? Well, thank you for having me. I think all of them are likely because the main theme here is expect the unexpected. And oftentimes the things that we think could happen, we can't even imagine what might happen that we, that we don't even know about. Like, for instance, could anyone have ever thought a year from the 2020 election, like basically where we are right now, it's the October of 2019. Could anyone have imagined in 2020 that the entire economy would have been shut down? So it's things like that. But there are some obvious potential wild plot twists. One of them has to do, of course, with if Biden and Trump have a rematch, they are both elderly senior citizens who potentially could have some health problems in in view of the fact that the stress that each one is undergoing right now would would hurt somebody in their 40s but for trump being was he 77 and biden is going to be what 81 i believe uh, in november then stress becomes my doctor would say stress is a killer and because it just it impacts every aspect of your of your mind and body. So given that, I think the number one uh, potential likely wild scenario is they, you know, could uh, have a real tragedy or, you know, they may have to withdraw for for health reasons because they just could not continue on. You, you don't really list the uh, the idea involving these two candidates of multiple convictions. Uh, for, for both of them, of course, there could be impeachment. They're talking about the Republicans uh, continuing to push impeachment of President Biden. And uh, President Trump has uh, uh, 91 specific charges on which he's been indicted. Would it shake up this election big time if, let's say he has double indictments, uh, double convictions on at least uh, at two of these ongoing trials? Could that change things? Well, I think that's. I think it's. I think it's baked in. I don't think it's going to change anybody's vote. They either. I think in general, people have decided that uh, they could never vote for Trump in view of his legal problems, and others say, "Hey, you know, he's just a victim of the system. He's, you know, they weaponized the Justice Department against him." So I just think that is completely baked in. Um, but I think what could happen is how the American people react to something like that. For instance, one of the things I list is, you know, there could be an increase in domestic terrorism uh, that that's reacting to uh, something that happens with Trump or something that happens with Biden uh, if they are both the nominees. So domestic terrorism potentially could be a game changer on a, on a massive scale. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. But that's one of the things that, that could happen, that we can't rule that out. But more importantly, we don't know. We don't know about things that are out there that that could just completely upend. And that's why I gave the the list of things that have happened before. Uh, obviously, September 11th, the attacks of September 11th got got George W. Bush reelected in 2004. Then you had mentioned the economic meltdown in September of 2008 uh, that totally hurt McCain. 
Um, and then 2020, of course, we shut down the whole government, the whole economy was shut down. And there has been there has been polling that said that that was the key reason why why Trump was defeated, because people did not voters did not like how he reacted to the pandemic. And so then in the 60s, uh, the most tragic ones I, I mentioned are in the 1960s, of course, assassination of, uh, of uh, President John F. Kennedy in November 1963, uh, because he was you know, running for reelection. And then in 1968, in March 31st of 1968, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson decided to withdraw from the race. Can you imagine, let's say Biden or either one, either Biden or Trump decided in March of this of this coming year, they withdrew. Imagine what what insanity <laughs> would ensue in our country. So there were things that we just or to make people a lot more excited about the election. Uh, potentially, but it would also throw it into just even I mean, such uncertainty. Uh, who knows? Maybe it would maybe it would be better for the country since people are so unenthusiastic about Trump versus Biden. We have 53 percent of de- registered Democrats are not at all enthusiastic about having Biden be the nominee. And 52 percent of Republicans are not uh, not excited, not at all enthusiastic about Trump. And this is a poll that just came out this week. So, yeah, who knows? But but that's the whole point. Wild plot, tri- wild plot twists, that's a tw- tongue twister. Um, could upend the election. Uh, you know, buckle your seatbelt, strap yourself in, because it's a year. Yesterday, from yesterday, it is a year until November fifth, twenty twenty-four. You, what you have week. one of one of you know, the craziness. one of the possibilities that you list. It's number six in in your uh, list of horribles or un, unknowables. Uh, you say using artificial intelligence. Domestic or foreign players create deep fakes close to the election, wreaking havoc on campaign messaging that voters believe is authentic. Give me a, a description. What kind of deep fakes are you talking about? Well, let's say, again, we, we don't even know what kind of deep fakes could happen, but just things that we do know about. You know, let's say there's some campaign messaging uh, that goes viral and that it turns out you know, it's completely fake, but it takes, let's say, a week for it to really be determined that that it was fake, uh, because sometimes a, a candidate will just, you know, deny something that's not good. But it could be something that maybe American people think it's authentic and whatever it is. Um, but all we know is artificial intelligence and, quote unquote, deep fakes are going to play a role in this presidential campaign, unlike any other. This is like a new variable that's being entered into a presidential campaign that we've never seen before. So you, how uh, talking about, out, uh, just, just Myra, just to, as an example, you're talking about uh, some player, malevolent player, actually, for instance, convincing people that uh, President Biden's physical condition is even worse than it is. Or that his psychiatric mental condition is even worse than something like that? Potentially, or it could be, say, a national phone call that somebody manufactured that has Trump saying something, you know, over the top about Biden or Biden saying something over the top about Trump that literally goes out. 
but it's fake. Can can you uh, can you continue it. this this conversation for a few moments? Sure. Terrific. We will be right back with Myra Adams of the Hill on seven wild plot twists that could shake up the election. Entertain your brain. Your show is very entertaining. Every day on the Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Speaking with uh, Myra Adams, and uh, she is a veteran Washington observer who has written a provocative piece for the Hill website that uh, lists seven wild plot twists that could upend the 2024 election. And uh, the, the idea that uh, some of them, maybe several of them, could actually occur... When you actually read what these plot twists are, it's not at all unthinkable. Uh, for instance, number four, close to the election, a crippling, prolonged cyber attack on critical infrastructure leaves the U.S. exposed and vulnerable. Basic energy and communication services are cut off and millions are left in both a literal and an information blackout. Uh, Myra, what's your instinct say if something, God forbid, a thousand times, something like that happened, would people blame Biden and destroy his campaign? Or is it possible that they would rally behind the president uh, out of desperation? Well, that is a great question uh because we don't know the answer to it because of course this is all hypothetical but yes both are possible i think it depends on what the circumstances are uh if there was some policy let's say that led to this cyber attack uh that maybe biden would get blamed for it um you know we don't know at this point i'm just putting it out there as things that it's certainly within the realm of possibility that a cyber attack could come and could interrupt the election because it's possible that our enemies, both domestic and foreign, could do that. We've seen cyber attacks happen. They seem to be happening more, more frequently. And it, so it's very scary. Uh, so it's just one of those things we just have to pray that uh, it doesn't happen, but certainly it could happen. And just like you said, many of these things, it's like, okay, pick your poison uh, just because none of them happen or all of them could happen. Um, you just or several of them could happen. You just don't know. And that's this is all we can say. Expect the unexpected. Strap yourself in because it's going to be a long year. Uh, it's it's inconceivable that a year is is going to go by with nothing that would be, you know, traumatic. I mean, think about what happened this week. You know, a week, like, for instance, who would have even thought last Friday that that uh, we wouldn't even have a Speaker of the House right now? <laughs> Things like that. Things just happen. People wake up every day and it's like, oh, my God, what happened now? Uh, because the world is so in a crisis and things are so uncertain on so many different levels um, that people are just very on edge. And as you get closer to a presidential election, um, you know, chances are more uh, stuff could happen that, and again, stuff that we can't even imagine. There's a, um, uh, my 
producer, Jeremy Steiner, pride of Hillsdale College, just uh, sent me a photograph. It didn't need any words to it of something that happened that uh, dramatically changed the election of 2012. And I know that there are a lot of historians who now believe that uh, Obama won the election of 2012 because of Tropical Storm Sandy and the devastation uh, of, of that meteorological event in just a week before the election where he went to New Jersey and he hugged Chris Christie and he was uh, terrific in terms of the response, at least the emotional response to all of this devastation on the East Coast. And it helped get out the vote for him. They, I know that they did exit polling where it showed that uh, about 12% of all voters said that uh, Obama's uh, reaction to Tropical Storm Sandy was one of the reasons that they voted for him. And uh, if we had that kind of devastating natural event, would that uh, help Joe Biden, assuming he did a uh, showy job responding to it? it? There's also then the question of whether that increases public concern about the issue of climate change. Uh, what's your thought? Well, I actually had that in my piece. I had um, natural disasters as, as one of them, but, um, you know, got taken out. But I believe natural disaster could be a tremendous um, impact, could have a tremendous impact on this election, because particularly if it's, let's say, quote, unquote, the big one. Um, but again, it's all how the president responds to it. Uh, and as you said, in, in 2012, I didn't put that one in there. I actually kind of forgot about that. But thank you for mentioning that. because I think that is very interesting. Uh, that that happened in a situation where Obama, I do believe, was ahead of Romney anyway. I have to go back and check the numbers. But I think he was, in fact, winning. Um, but again, it, it was that is something that obviously really helped him a lot because he handled it very well you know people want their leaders to be you know in charge in control and uh you know present themselves like you know i've got this uh and you know if a leader doesn't do that and that's interesting that's what mccain did not do and they melt in the economic meltdown of um of 2008 if you recall he suspended his campaign for like maybe a couple of days or a week or something, and that showed that whoa, this he was not ripe for uh, uh, you know to handle a meltdown, and that really helped Obama. So yes, it it, it could be almost anything, but it, and again, it depends on the circumstances whether it helps or hurts the, the incumbent. Just like a major war, if a major war happened right now, you know, would that help Biden? Would that hurt Biden? Um, it really depends on you know on the circumstances and you know how it's messaged, how it's perceived by the American people. Uh, there's so many different factors that, um, you know, we just don't know. Yeah, there's a piece in uh, National Review, actually, which is called The Night Chris Christie Killed the Romney Campaign. And it was basically walking around with uh, Barack Obama and, yes, hugging him uh, when he came to show solidarity for the people of New Jersey, where Chris Christie was governor who had uh, just been devastated. With, with all of this uh, going on 
right now. Do you not think, and and again, there are increasing numbers of people who've speculated about this, that one or both of these two likely candidates uh, would find a way to get out of the race, to withdraw from, and who knows, it could have to do with uh, courtroom difficulties for uh, President Trump, (laughs) which he's got a full... A, a dance card as far as uh, his indictments are concerned. It could involve uh, health issues for President Biden uh, or some revelations about his health or his health status at age 80. Um, the, uh, the, the ultimate way to shake up the campaign is with two different uh, standard bearers for each of the two parties. Don't you think that would be a, just a jolt of energy and, in in many ways, reassurance for the American people? Well, it depends who replaces them, but in the, in the circumstances under which they're withdrawing. But I have that as my number one um, that a can one of the candidates, or either in this case maybe both, you know, have to withdraw for health reasons, or one unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, leaves the planet. Uh, but you know, changing. The nominee uh, would be, you know, one of the biggest shakeups, and that happened, as I write, in 1968. Um, you know, in March of 1968, the, the president withdrew. So we've seen how that worked. And what happened in 1968? The vice president is the one that won the nomination, and then Humphrey went on and lost to Richard Nixon. Um, so another former case, vice I president, think, yeah. Yeah, another former vice president. Yeah, in nineteen in, in um, Eisenhower's nineteen sixty eight administration. Yep, yep. But we have we have a situation where the most likely person to replace Biden in a in a you know very quick turnaround uh, would be the vice president, and you know she is not the most popular <laughs> Democrat. So you have that. Yes, I, do you, you know. do you know any Democrats who are enthusiastic about the prospect of uh, uh, running with Kamala Harris as the nominee for president? Because no, I, I don't I know have any not... Democrats that are enthusiastic about running with with President Biden. <laughs> well, well, at least there are some. No. Uh, look, there, there's there's all kinds of uh, discussion about uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Who knows? But fascinating speculation and a great perspective. Myra Adams, thanks for it. Her column is posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. So what happens if we do cut off Ukraine? We'll talk about that and more coming up in this greatest...